there was definitely a part of me that was still holding back. I think out of, you know, fear, like once you fully commit to something and make that promise to yourself, it's scary. You don't want to disappoint yourself. Welcome listeners to the first episode of the ShakeOut podcast of November 2022. It is a slow burn, as they say, a beautiful start to fall here in Ontario. However, I am headed to beautiful Medicine Hat, Alberta for the Canadian College cross-country championships, and I did see that it is supposed to be minus 28 with the wind chill, so that is going to be quite a shock. However, wherever you are in the country joining us, we hope that you're staying safe and running well. Hello to co-host Maddie Kelly. How are you doing? Hello. Um, I am doing very well. Very, very excited about uh, the guest we have today. Dear friend of the pod, my, you know, longtime friend and uh, training partner, Lucia E. Stafford. Welcome to the pod, Lou. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's good to be back. I was waiting, you know, for when my next invitation would be. It's been a long time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, we were just trying to figure this out before we started recording, and we realized that you were on almost exactly 11 months ago. In fact, I think it was December 8th, and today our day of recording is November 8th. So I think it was 11 months to the day that you were last on the podcast with another Canadian superstar, Andrea Sakafian, and you had been talking about your move to the Bowerman Track Club. Um, Lou, you are no longer with the Bowerman Track Club. It's been a big year. A lot has happened. Tell us about some of the highlights of the last year. You're back in Toronto training with Terry Rachenko again. Um, I'm sure Maddie is thrilled about that, but give us kind of the overview of what the last year has been like for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely been an exciting year. Uh, it feels like a, a bit like the wild, the most wild roller coaster run in my life. Um, in a good way, though, I think uh, I've been talking to Maddie about this, you know, the past year, sometimes you need to just go through changes and you're, you hit a point in your life where you just like, you need something that kind of push you in almost like a, a catalyst to just evo- like enact change in yourself. So that's kind of what the last year felt like. Um, I moved to Portland, which was very exciting. Um, bought a car, which was a highlight for sure. And then I moved back, which was a highlight too. And I was reunited with my dear, dear friend, Maddie, and my amazing coach, Terry. And that was a big highlight. You know, it didn't come with challenges coming back. But then we, you know, got into the summer racing season. And I represented Canada at Worlds, at Commonwealth. That was a highlight. I'd say Commonwealth walking onto the the track for the final in the, in front of a British crowd who freaking love track. <laughs> that was a highlight for sure. I mean, I was the first person to walk on that track and I think everyone was just cheering for Lormir, but that's okay because it felt like they were cheering for me. And so that was amazing. I went to Spain for a month. That was amazing. And now I'm back in training and um, another highlight, I'm moving into a studio apartment by myself for the first time, which is crazy. I know. And I'm taking a music program. So lots going on. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what a well-rounded update. I love all of that from buying a car to traveling the world to moving in by yourself to the music program. Okay, a couple quick questions. What kind of car did you buy and do you still own it? Yes, I do. I love that car so much. I will never not own it uh, until it forces me to not own it. Um, But it's a Volkswagen Tiguan 2016. Maddie, have you had the privilege of driving in this much beloved vehicle? Yes, I have. I have never talked about this on the pod, but I am also a Volkswagen girl. And uh, I I inherited an older Volkswagen from my parents, which I drove into the ground until it would not drive anymore last winter. And then I just bought 
the 2019 version of the Volkswagen Golf, which is exactly what I'd been driving before. And so when Lou got her car in the fall, she called me and she was like, Matt, I have a Volkswagen just like you. And uh, so, so we're Volkswagen girls together. Oh, and it really has come full circle. You're doing some training together again, and you're both uh, driving your Volkswagens all over the GTA. I love it. Maddie, you traveled to almost all of the same places that Lucia did. I mean, you guys were on Team Canada together. Yeah, like Lou, you moved home in April. But the adventures, I feel like like you just needed a minute to you know sort some stuff out, get back on your feet again. And our first trip together in a long time was to Portland. We ran the Portland Track Festival. And we both had really, really great races. For Lou, that was her season opener. For me, that was my second time running 159. It just felt so great to be traveling with Lou again. And uh, yeah, then we just continued traveling together. We went to went to Nationals, went to Worlds, went to Commonwealth. And then we both separately went to, Lou went to Italy and Spain. And I just went to Italy with uh, some girlfriends. And then we met back up in uh, Guelph, Ontario to start training this fall. And speaking of, training has obviously been going well because one of the many, many reasons that we have Lucia on the podcast today is because she was the victor of the Elite 5K division at the Road to Hope Marathon weekend in Hamilton, Ontario on Saturday and ran sort of an astonishing 1520 in this 5K. And Lou, that's an incredible time. I mean, it's an absolutely stunning time regardless. But it also, correct me if I'm wrong, was not only your very first like 5k slash 5000 ever, but also your first road race. Is all of that right? Yeah, you're yeah, yep, you would be right about that. Um, Yeah, you know, I think you saying that sentence, that it's a victor of the the five road 5k. I was like, that's something I've never thought I would hear. But I mean, for years, like, you know, people have been saying, Lou, you could probably run a good 5K. You know, you could probably run a good 5K. Because I feel like as a 1,500-meter runner, you really have to be a jack-of-all-trades, right? You've got to be able to run a good 5K. You have to be able to run a good 800. I just wanted to, like, you know, keep it in the mystery bubble of, oh, yeah, I can the good 5K is over here, but we're never going to see it come into existence until <laughs> Maddie's actually pissed about this because the meet organizers <laughs> put a lot of prize money on the line this year. So there was an email blast that went out to everyone. And once it became more public, Maddie was pissed because she said, what the heck, guys? <laughs> I was going to go and win this this huge payday. Uh, but, you know, of course, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was really painful. And, yeah, I mean, I'll probably run another 5K one day, but it might be an annual thing. We'll see. <laughs> well, and Lou, also, talk a little bit about your downtime and when you started training and just how new you are into this training cycle because you took like a proper extendo break after the summer season yeah well so I feel like the as I mentioned before the last year was pretty long and and exciting which also meant it was pretty tiring so by the time I got to Commonwealth I was honestly I feel like already kind of out of shape just because I had gotten COVID in between Worlds and Commonwealth and had to take a week off basically. So after Commonwealth, I took a full three weeks off of no training whatsoever. A lot of the reason is for my brain. Uh, If you, the sport is so intense and you have to really be dialed in that I think, I mean, I've always found and I know Maddie agreed that you need to just take a really big break and a step back so that you can 
come back to it excited and with a newfound like fire under your belly. I think you want to take enough of a break that you are like, okay, I can't wait to run again. Like I'm, I feel out of shit. Like you kind of have that itch again. So yeah, I started running again at the end of August and then started doing workouts the second week of September. Um, and I definitely felt very out of shape. Uh, probably the most out of shape I've been in a while. But I think just because, you know, being back with Terry and doing like in cross country, we always just do like grass, grassy, hilly loops that you don't really know what they mean, but they, you work hard and you, they really kick your butt into shape. And so the first week was definitely rough. The second week, a little less rough, but then honestly, by the third week, I, I think I really just stubborn my way into fitness. <laughs> I was just said, I refuse to be out of shape for more than two weeks. And by the third week, you know, workouts were going really well um, already. And Maddie and I are now lifting twice a week, very heavy. I think that's probably helped a lot. You know, last year for a lot of the year, I wanted to run, keep running and I wanted to see how good I could go. But there was definitely a part of me that was still holding back um, because I think out of, you know, fear, like once you fully commit to something and, and make that like promise to yourself, it's scary because you then have to, you know, you hope you do well and you don't want to disappoint yourself. So I think a bit of myself was kind of holding back last year. And so continuing this year, I was like, you know what? Okay, we're doing this. Let's not that I wasn't taking it seriously last year, but more just a different mental approach. Like I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to, you know, do all the little things that make me happy. But now this is my job. And yeah, I'm approaching it, I think a bit more with a professional tone. So doing all the little things too, which is good. Little little things for Lou and I are just you know properly lifting weights, which uh, middle distance runners should. And uh, that was that was a gap in training for a long time. So like five to six weeks of like back to full proper training. You're it sounds like like right in the thick of like the volume, the intensity you're lifting. I'm assuming there wasn't much of a taper, for instance, for this five k race. Um, so not a ton of time back, and also not a lot of rest coming into it. To contextualize your performance, Lou, 1520, only 10 seconds if it were a track race off of Olympic slash world standard, right? Also, only four seconds slower than the Canadian 5K road record, which was set all the way back in 2004 by the late great Emily Mondor um, at the Carlsbad 5000, which is a notorious, notoriously super speedy, incredibly deep, like competitive race. Um I just want to take a moment to acknowledge like how impressive this result is because like to come within four seconds with very little training, no taper, and really it sounds like no like major intent of even trying to set a record or run super fast. Like let's, let's get into that a little bit. Like what were your goals coming into this, this race? Like I know, again, you're a mid distance runner. You talk about the importance of the five, but like, what did you and Terry talk about coming into this? What were the goals? Like, yeah. Like what, what was your plan coming in? Yeah, so um, definitely, yeah, approached it with a casual mindset. Um, I mean, training's been going really well, and I've been working really hard, so I knew I was in good shape. But like I said, we do so many workouts on the grassy, hilly loops, so it's hard to know how that's going to translate to, you know, a flat, fast 5K. And so I think going into the race, you know, I knew that Julianne was coming down, and I knew she's in really good shape, and had big goals for the race. And I think just because we had, there was a bit of question mark over what my fitness was, 
Um, in my head, I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to try to hang on to Julianne for as long as I can because she's a very good runner. And I, I know hopefully that'll get me dragged to a fast time. And like I said, I'm pretty stubborn. So even though I have never run a 5K or a road race, I still expected a good result for myself just because, like I said, I was in good shape. And at the end of the day, I just like want to give my best result out there. So I just didn't know what that was, but um, yeah, I was going to ask, sorry to inter- interject, but I was going to ask, like, when you say I wanted a good result, like, did you have a sense of what that generally might mean or look like? Yeah, I think I think I would have been happy under 1540. Um, but to be honest, I knowing myself, if I had let Julian get away, I would have been a bit disappointed. Um, but the thing is, is I really like I know she's in, again, amazing shape. And I think she's trying to chase down that record this fall. So when I heard that, I was like, 1515, that's the record. That sounds a little spicy. Like, I didn't know that I could do that. And it was, you don't, especially I've never run a 5K. I didn't want to go out there and explode halfway through. But at the same time, you can't really let a gap form because then it's way harder to close it. So it was a bit of a, I kind of entered it really just not knowing what was going to happen. And Terry and I kind of talked with about different plans. And honestly, when I went to the start line, it was, I didn't even really have an idea. I think it was just like, go out and see what happens. Like let the race play out, which at the end of the day is really what all of us can ever do. Right. So um, I think after the first kilometer, we went out in th- uh, like two fifty nine, and I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that's spicy. But it also didn't feel too bad. And so I was like, okay, like if I can absorb this 259, that means, well, I'm in pretty good shape then. Because, <laughs> yeah, like I, I said, we didn't really taper, but, you know, we tapered a little bit. Like we did a shorter run on Thursday and then took Friday off. And our Wednesday workout was maybe a little smidgen lighter than usual. Um, so the legs are feeling not bad, not as hammered as they usually do. So we I absorbed that first K and then I just really hung on to Julianne and, I think about 3K in, I've discovered that the third K of a 5K is very challenging. Um, I think a lot of people have said that and now I've experienced it for myself. And yeah, wow, (laughs) they weren't kidding. But as soon as you get past, for me, as soon as I got past the 3K mark, as soon as it became like one point something kilometers to go, my brain was able to be like, you can hurt for that long because there's been so many 2K intervals. You know, I do 50 in the mile. Um, yeah, and that's kind of when I pulled away from Julianne, and I think I knew it was going to be a fast time. I had no idea how fast I was going, though, and I had no idea that I was close to the record. I, I, I like to think that I wish I did because then maybe I had four more seconds, but I remember the way I felt in that last kilometer, and I was just like, get me to the finish, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really fun. All that to say, do it again sometime soon. <laughs> I would say, I don't, Lou, I don't know how soon you're going to be doing that again, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest. By soon, I mean next year. I think you're, yeah, I think you're going to start running some shorter distances, but I'm certain you will, you will be back to the 5k eventually. Okay. Well, speaking of doing an annual 5k, Maddie, of course, you are also in this race and you very famously in our last episode of the rundown said, I'm doing my one and only 5k of the year. <laughs> this weekend. And I know that uh, coming up as as someone who moved from uh, like being a pretty pure 1500 meter runner moving up to the 5k, I know how that feels, Lou. Maddie, you're like a real 800 athlete. Like you're a real half mile kind of gal. Um, 1640 
super impressive time for you as well. Lou just kind of took us through her um, recounting of the race. And I know that you and I have chatted about kind of what that felt like for you. Maybe you can take us through from an 800 meter runner's perspective, what it was like to run a really fast time in a really competitive field, but in a race much longer than you're used to. So um, chip time was 16.39. And I said, if I was in the 1630s, I was very happy. So we're <laughs> we're going with chip time. My apologies, sixteen thirty nine. Take that second. Yeah. So uh, no, I was I was super I was super happy with it. The whole race went out quite quickly. I was almost in last, and I think my first K was like three oh five. So um, like because like the elite field ran separately from the open race, and yeah, it was a it was such a great group of women. It was perfect. There was a bunch of us sort of you know with like sixteen thirty ish capability about like five of us and we all just kind of worked together and I felt phenomenal through 3k actually two to 3k unlike Lou I felt like a star and then I ran at that corner and I continued to feel like a star for about 400 500 meters and I thought like I'm gonna run really fast Terry was actually yelling at me that I looked like I was quote jogging close quote um, and then around like 3.6, 3.7 K, it really deeply, badly started to hurt four to five K was just get there, get there, get there, get there. I don't care how slow I run. I just must see the finish line. Um, and I was actually very pleasantly surprised at the time because my, my, my final kilometer was much slower than my earlier, <laughs> than my earlier Ks, but really um, the 5k for me is a lot less about time and more about effort. Cause if I, if I have a weak spot when it comes to running, it's, it's my ability to hurt for long periods of time. Truthfully, the 800, it's just like 10 seconds of full body shutdown, which I'm comfortable with, but like long sustained pain is not, not really my thing. And that's exactly what the 5k is. I was going to say, I will say Maddie, there's videos that Terry took and there's like one of me running by and then one of you running by. And I know this is just the way we look when we run, but it looks like I'm about to like pass out and fall over and my shoulders are to my ears and you look like you are like a jogging. <laughs> you look so smooth. And I know you were working hard, but you looked like you were floating on a cloud. <laughs> no, but I look like I'm floating till I'm not like it's a steep turn, you know, like it's like good, good, good. Oh, no, like there's there's not much middle ground. Good, good, good. Oh, no, is how I describe most mid-distance races. So that checks out for sure. (laughs) Um, Speaking of depth, I mean, what a fantastic race overall. Lou, again, you were the winner in in 15.20. And then Julian Staley, who you alluded to earlier, was second in 15.44. Aaron Tuschuk, 16.13. Maddie Davidson, 16.27. And then Aaron Mawinney, Alex Lucky, and then Maddie, I mean, to come seventh in 1640 for a Canadian 5k road race is like it really speaks to the depth it's so exciting we've talked about how deep our Canadian women's uh, mid-distance and distance fields are and uh, both of you really proved that as a quick update Jeremy Kugler won in 1355 followed very closely by Connor Black in 1356 and then Andrew Alexander 1359 to have four guys under 14 minutes as well Uh, really speaks to how deep these fields were. You can check out the full results at our website, runningmagazine.ca, or on the Road to Hope website as well. But I wanted to just maybe chat a little bit more, if we could briefly, about like, you know, the value of exploring distances outside of your specialty, especially in sort of the quote off season. Like you're both building base right now, right? Like there's a big year ahead of us. 
We've got indoor track racing coming up right around the corner. We've got another world championships this summer. What do you think? Maybe I'll start with Lou. Like what is, why would you put a, a fast 5k on your calendar? Like what's the value of throwing in a race that you're not used to, especially on the roads at this time of the year? Yeah, I feel like there's multiple benefits. I think one of them, honestly, is just to break up training because you're doing a lot of the same workouts week after week, and it's just a nice way to make it a bit more exciting. I think another one is definitely just to know what kind of fitness you're in and to test the fitness and see what it all means because at the end of the day, the only way to really know what kind of shape you are in is to do a race. Um, And then I think just to have fun too, like, the whole thing was just really fun. Maddie and I went on a little date the night before and we, uh, you know, had some yummy pasta and then you get to the start line, you see all your friends that you haven't seen in a while. Like we warmed up with Julianne and Aaron and it truly felt so special to just do this with friends, especially when your friends are your competitors, you know, you have to do a race in order to see them. So, but yeah, the running an off distance too, it takes off a lot of pressure. So it makes it more fun as well. It, it lets you approach it with a bit of a, of a more casual mindset, I think, which can be a huge benefit. And then once you learn how to do that, you can approach your own races that way too, which I like to try to do. Yeah, really good. Um, Maddie, again, especially as someone for whom this is a significantly longer race than you're used to, I know you put at least one 5K on your calendar a year. Like, why do you do that, given how much you seem to dislike it and how much it hurts for such a long time? What do you get out of that, both like personally and and for training? As much as I dislike it, I still, you know, I'm I'm a glutton for improvement. So, you know, every year it's good to just sort of check in and see how the how the fall fitness is compared to years previous and especially this year after we took um after we took such a long break I was I was curious as to what shape I would end up in because much like Lou I was in probably the worst shape I'd been in in a while when we started in September and I'm really happy with how the aerobic stuff has come along and the aerobic stuff is certainly the most challenging part for me I find you know speed fun and exciting and something that has always come not easily, but something that's come certainly more easily than the longer stuff. So just, uh, yeah, just, just getting used to hurting, really. Getting used to hurting, finding comfort in the discomfort, right? That's, that's kind of the name of the game for so many races. Um, okay, so Lou, I know that the 1500 is your baby. Obviously, you've excelled at that. But given that you've now run within four seconds of a Canadian record on the road in your very first outing, I have to ask if we're going to see maybe some like concerted efforts towards some fast track 5Ks in the future in 2023? Uh, in 2023, I would say no. <laughs> I mean, unless I maybe there'd be if it was like a fun one. I don't know. I think if you asked me a month ago, I'd say heck no. But you know what? Yeah, of course, coming that close to the record, it's going to make me a little curious. But I would say I still... Yeah, I, there's a lot of 1500s and 800s I want to run first. Um, but it was more fun than I was expecting. I did like that feeling of the burn and also just feeling strong enough that you can like push through it. Um, yeah, being comfortable, being uncomfortable was fun. But I don't know about 2023. Keep your eyes peeled. Maybe 2024, maybe 2025. For now, the 1500 and 800 is where I will remain. (laughs) Fair enough. Lots to come. I will say, you know, it kind of is reminiscent of the fact that Melissa Bishop always runs one kind of like stunner of a 1500 every season, despite being like a pure 800 meter runner. And, you know, in the Olympic year came within what a tenth of a second of hitting Olympic standard in the 15 ran like the second fastest time 
in Canada that year, I think, at 404 and change. So, you know, there's there's definitely something to this kind of over-distance stuff. But I know that we'll, uh, we'll enjoy continuing to watch all the upcoming success shortly in the 1500 for you, Lou, and the 800 for Maddie. Um, as we wrap up, Lou, you're again back in Toronto. You're moving into a studio apartment. That's so exciting. I'm waiting for my invitation to come and help with the housewarming. Um, but all of that aside, what are you most excited about as you head into 2023, given that we're less than two months away from the end of this year? Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's crazy. I think I haven't honestly thought that much about 2023. I think sometimes you can get like pretty wrapped up into future thinking. And I think it's a good sign that I've been very much focused on like week by week, which I didn't realize until right now. Um, but I think honestly, just I'm very excited yeah, to be back with my pal Maddie, back with Terry. I'm really excited to, yeah, get some fun races and see what we can do. Um, I think, you know, I've got some big goals. I really, really want to run under four minutes. I really want to run under two minutes. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited for life. (laughs) Just excited (laughs) for life. What a great statement. Leo, I guess I guess one one last little question and then we'll let you go because I know you have to go to class. You were at OFSA this past weekend. You were there cheering on your younger brother. You were there with Nike, you know, doing some meet and greet with young athletes. And just in case someone didn't have a chance to see you at OFSA or maybe hear you speak, what is, you know, a piece a piece of advice for high school Lucia or someone of your age who wants to have the success that you have had in running? Oof. Man, that's a toughie. But <laughs> as cheesy and repetitive repetitive as I probably sound, it's honestly just like setting up a lifestyle slash training scenario that you're that just makes you feel happy and fulfilled with the results aside. So if you can leave the day and, you know, not have a good, your best workout or, or miss your PB, but still feel like you gained something or that you had fun and you were fulfilled outside of the result. I think that's the most important thing because you can do everything perfect day after day and still not get that medal, you know, Pro- process oriented. Yeah. Yeah. And happiness oriented. (laughs) I love this. Every time, I mean, Maddie is such a great reminder of this for me in general, but every time I get Maddie and Lou on the pod, I feel like it's the same kind of takeaway. And I love the consistency of that is that a happy runner is going to be a successful runner, is going to be a runner with longevity and a runner who enjoys the process. So, so glad always, Lucia, to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations again on your amazing victory in the 5k and your you know debut and it's just going to be so fun as we continue following you know the progress of you both and i'm sure all of the success through the next year but thanks again so much for coming on lou and uh, i know you got to get to class so we're gonna let you jet but thanks for joining us on the pod thanks so much for having me guys it was so much fun so there were lots of exciting results out of hamilton over the weekend including David Mutai, who won the full marathon, Maddie, less than 24 hours after racing that same elite 5K that you are in. He was 13th overall in the 5K in a very respectable 1441, but far more impressive, came back the next day and completely soloed a two hour and 17 minute marathon. 
He looked unreal. I was out on the course partly because I was, well, mainly because I was there to cheer on my dad, whose results we'll get to in a moment. But David Mutai had a bike in front and a bike behind him and just cruised. Like he looked so comfortable the whole time. Never looked like he changed pace or stride. 217.47, Maddie. He won by almost 13 minutes. That's so impressive, especially to do that by yourself. And it was hot. Like, you know, like for a marathon, it was warm. And we saw that reflected, you know, in some of the results that we'll get to from New York. But uh, not the weather people expect for a November marathon. So big congratulations to David. In the women's race, Brianna Cabin was the first woman across the line in 253.09. So congratulations to her. And then Kate, she would have been followed a little over 20 minutes later by your dad. By JVB, my dad, Jim, won his age group 65 to 69, running 319.33. I was super proud of him. I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter of a marathon man. He is the reason that I got running and it was great to see him. His goal was to break 3.30 and to run under 3.20, especially, as you said, on a very warm day um, at any age. But I think particularly at 66 is pretty darn great. So kudos to Jimbo for a great day. And then also, congrats to our web writer, Marley Dickinson, who was fourth in the half marathon in 114.20 and also looked really strong throughout the whole race. Um, Just got out kicked at the end. I think he ended up being off the podium by just about a second, but super solid performance by Marley as well. To New York, New York. So there were incredible races on both sides, but I have to say the women's race especially, I don't think anyone picked the winner before it started, which is why we love race day. It's why we run races because PBs don't mean a thing. You got to show up and do it. Do the dang thing. Do the dang thing. So in the women's race, after several lead changes, Sharon Lochetti took the lead and crossed the line in 2.23.23. This was her debut marathon. She was only seven seconds ahead of Lona Salpeter. In Gotidam, Gabrisolasi rounded at the podium, finishing in third in 2.23.39. So Sharon is not, like, she shouldn't have been as much of a dark horse pick. So for those who aren't aware of Sharon, she's Kenyan and runs for Kenya. However, she went to school in the States and she won NCAA about a billion times there. Had an incredible track career. I've heard just through different teammates of mine who have trained in and around her that she is one of the most stunning runners to train with and that she would one day have an incredible road career. And it is so exciting that in her debut, she just killed it. And also interesting to see an Under Armour shoe win a world major. This is certainly the first Under Armour shoe to win a world major. So congratulations to Under Armour. Other notable results were uh, Des Linden had a bit of a tough day. However, another debut, which went quite well, was Helen O'Beary, who is now running for the On Athletics Club. She's the world cross-country reigning champion currently, has had obviously like an incredible career on the track. And this was her debut marathon, which she finished in 225. And so for New York, New York is hilly. New York is tough. It was hot. So a 2.25 debut at New York is very strong showing. So the men's race was not quite as close, but not short of thrills. What a strange 
race this was, Maddie. Brazil's Daniel do Nascimento led the race to 32K. At kilometer 28, he had a two-minute lead, but sort of suddenly ducked into a porta potty for 18 seconds, came out running, <laughs> ran his way out of the porta potty, and then was able to still hold on to a fairly sizable lead. But at mile 20, he just kind of like started stumbling a little bit and like ducked under some police tape and just collapsed to the ground. We have heard that he is okay. Very glad to hear that. But just sort of like literally ran out of steam, I think. You know, again, it was a hot day. It was humid. It sounded like kind of a wild thing to do to take on a lead like that. We should mention, though, he had set a national and area record for South America earlier this year at the Seoul Marathon, where he ran a 204.51. And he was also eighth at the World Championships this summer. So he's got some pedigree behind him. I just think this was still a little bold. And unfortunately, he paid the price. However, this did open the door for a very patient and consistent Evans Chibet to come through for the win in 208.41. He was followed by Shura Katata of Ethiopia in 208.54. And then Abdi Nagei of the Netherlands came through in 210.31 to round out that podium. So again, some of the slower times we've seen in New York, but given the conditions, uh, not at all surprising. And big congrats to the very patient Evans Chibet. Beyond the men's and women's results, we have a celebrity result. Ashton Kutcher had a very respectable marathon debut of 354.01 and raised over a million dollars for his charity partner, Thorne, a nonprofit tech company that helps prevent sexual exploitation of children online. So, congratulations to Mila Kunis's husband, Ashton Kutcher which is sort of how I I feel that I know him. I would call myself more of a Mila fan than an Ashton fan. Fans of that 70s show, for anyone of the vintage that would remember that, you know, starred both of them. So you you can definitely check out all of the celebrity results by visiting our website, runningmagazine.ca, as well as all of the Canadian results from the weekend. But Maddie, of course, the marathon, while it is the feature, wasn't the only high-level race that took place. There was also a 5K. Yeah, a very competitive 5K. So in the women's results, Wayne Colotti, who now represents Under Armour, she used to run for New Mexico, won in 15-16, which broke her course record by two seconds, her own course record. But I paid close attention to these results after Lucia ran so well, because truthfully, I saw that and I was like, oh, like Lucia might have won this race. Would have been close for sure. It would have been close. It would have been a fight 100%. And that's just, you know, so exciting to see. I almost wish we had said, hey, Lucia, don't come to Hamilton. I got a race you should run. Abdi, Abdi Hamid Noor won the men's race in 1324. Also a Flagstaff athlete um, where both Sharon Lochetti and Wayne Claudie also train. A great day for Flagstaff. Wayne's also an Under Armour athlete. A really good weekend for Under Armour. With the closing of the New York City Marathon weekend, as well as the Road to Hope Hamilton Marathon weekend, that kind of does it for the North American marathon season. I know that there will be more, you know, in the warmer parts of the south, south of the border. But don't you worry, because there is lots more to come in terms of racing. We have cross-country results coming at you over the next couple of weeks in full force. This coming weekend, 
I am traveling to Medicine Hat, Alberta for the Canadian College Cross Country Championships, which are happening this weekend. Yeah, U Sports also this weekend in Halifax, baby. So, you know, be sure to tune in. Give your predictions. What's going to happen? U Sports, I think, is one of the most unpredictable races. And I am very excited to see what happened at U Sports. And then I'm sure a lot of those athletes will continue their season for a few more weeks to run the Athletics Canada Cross Country Nationals at the end of the month in Ottawa. So you've got a whole slew of cross country results to look forward to. And don't forget that the NCAA D1 cross country champs will be sort of like splitting the difference between them. They will be on November 19th. They're going to be in Stillwater, Florida. Again, not a place I expect anyone's going to have any frostbite. But we, of course, will be bringing you results from all of the cross country races across North America in the coming weeks. Maddie, what are you looking forward to after your uh, recovery from your you know, yearly 5K? I have something that listeners will be interested to know. I've started doing a long run and not just a run where I run for a long time, a run where I run kind of fast for a long time, sort of like a steady state, if you will. And you want to know the craziest part? I sure do. I've been enjoying it. What? Yeah. Yeah, Kate. Who are you? I I ran 18 kilometers yesterday. You want to know how fast? Sure do. 404 per K average. What? Yeah. Oh, Maddie. Oh, yeah. you, know, you know what this means. You are what? in dangerous territory. You are at risk of becoming... A 1,500 meter runner? A 1,500 meter runner. I see. I know. I think they're trying to do it to me quietly. I think they haven't That's told how they get you. <laughs> yeah. That's how I became... That's how I ran the 5K at the Olympics. I just woke up one day and was like, I guess this is my life now. It sneaks yeah. up on you. Be careful. I know. See, um, I won't let them. Them being like one Terry Redchenko. Anyway, that was actually that was my last long run of the year. Now we're now we're going back to tempos. But yeah, I did like six or seven of them. And by the end, I was pretty good at it. Good for you. Well, there you go. Just goes to prove anything's possible. Wild that indoors is right around the corner. Lots of cross to get through first. But congratulations to everyone who ran the New York City Marathon Weekend, the Road to Hope Marathon Weekend, and anyone else who's been training hard for something. We'd love to hear your stories. Keep them coming in as well. Of course, as always, you can subscribe to our show wherever you're listening right now. You can also check us out on social at ShakeOut Podcast and visit runningmagazine.ca for more. Until next time, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll chat again soon.